From Velsvitek comes a weekly digital series that shares its insights, concepts, and findings from years of learning and mentorship. Welcome to Velsvitek Podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Phil Svitek Podcast. As you might have guessed, my name is Phil Svitek. And today we're doing something a little bit special. Obviously, the aim that I have for this show is to help inspire creatives such as yourself through various methods and so forth, particularly mastering mental fortitude. Because it's one thing to have the right technical skills, but it's another to have the mental fortitude to be able to go out into the world and enact your vision. And today we're doing a little bit uh, a little bit differently. We're going to combine both because I'm interviewing. I'm actually on location at my friend Khalil's, and I'm going to interview him. So his name is Khalil Abubu, although that is his stage name, his not stage his real name. name. Yes, yes. My real name is Khalil Abdelrahim. There you go. And so let's start. We'll start with a couple of projects, and then we'll sort of backtrack. So your latest project is called Black Spider-Man. Yep. You did not create it, but you are. Black Spider-Man. I am Black Spider-Man. So a very close friend of mine, he actually created the show. Uh, what happened was I bought the suit because I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. I bought the suit, posted a picture of it on Instagram. My friend saw the picture and had an idea for a sketch and wrote it. Okay. And uh, here we are. So it's 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 five episodes. They haven't all aired at the time of the no. filming of this. But yes. did he always, like, what was the, when, he, when you say he wrote it, what was the story arc? The okay, so originally, also a big note was that he this happened two years ago from not today, today, but two years ago. Um, when he wrote it, we kind of we kind of just sat with it because we didn't know how to film what he wrote. It was a it was a lot of things in there that like just technically or like uh, it was a lot of things that we didn't have the resources for. That's the cleanest. Okay. <laughs> cleanest most succinct way i can put it um uh so we kind of sat on it two years went by you know our knowledge grew our our resources grew our networks grew and we weren't doing anything and so we started digging through old stuff and we were like oh let's let's try to tackle this black spider-man thing i think we can actually make it happen now um there were a lot of rewrites the first episode is probably the closest to the original script everything else is Kinda new, which is kind of like the inciting incident. It's the yeah. world finding out that <laughs> exactly. it's Black Spider Man. Exactly, or Spider Man is Black, rather. Right, right. Um, so, you know, it's cool. I'm, I'm very happy with. It. I'm very proud of it. Uh, I think it's. I think. I'm. I hope everyone else loves it as well. Well, talking about the first episode and just the series in general, it has a very. I don't know if you intended this, but I always look at it from a very political standpoint. Mm-hmm. And you know, two years ago. It, 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 for those that watch the first episode, it's basically a commentary somewhat on Trump and, and whatnot. Yes. <laughs> so was that also part of the original two that years was, ago? That was not a part of the original two years ago. Um, it was the, the original the original message. The whole point of this was that every time a black person does something, we as a society have the tendency to put black in front of it. Listen, listen, I'm still the same guy, okay? Literally nothing has changed. Okay, well, bye, Black Spider-Man. You don't have to call me Black. And then, you know, with superheroes, you got Black Lightning, Black Panther, um, or like whatever. And then it's it's a weird dynamic, right? Because on one end, you want to be 
looked at and treated as equals and pretty fairly or like whatever. But then on the other end, you want to say, oh, this is my culture. This is how we do things in my culture. This is a representation of of us. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's not to say like one way is bad and one way is one way is right and one way is wrong. It's just kind of speaking on the topic Mm -hmm. of how we always have to put black in front of something that whenever a black person does something. Well, I want to put a pause on the technical stuff because there's mm-hmm. definitely a lot to talk there. But I want to get your take on sort of essentially what what is equality? I'll go to um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She said, like, for me, equality is having nine women on the justice, um, you know, branch. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of people kind of looked at, huh? Because to them, equality is like, okay, let's have three men, three women, and, you know, maybe some Latinos, some blacks. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what what is... In, in terms of filmmaking, what does equal opportunity mean to you? That's tough in terms of filmmaking because I've always so I uh, for for those who don't know I like do both sides of the camera and on the on the uh, creator side when you are creating something you typically have a vision in your head and like there's the story there's this purpose there's this person like you have all of that in your head. And you're trying to get that out into the world. So when you talk about equality, it's kind of like, well, let's say let's say if we're talking for a certain role or something, it's like, well, this role is kind of intended for this because the story is for this and the message is this. And it, 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 it only kind of makes sense if it comes from this type of person. Um, so that's why I don't get like too hung up on certain people, not certain people populating a film rather than uh, a little more diversity and making sure that we've evenly spread the uh, <laughs> the juice around. Because, you know, as a creative, that might not be the story you're trying to tell. And it's not, it's not anything wrong with that. Um, uh, I, think, I think the thing is, though, is that a lot of the people who are in positions to make things and have them seen on a bigger scale are you know, of a certain like culture or branch or whatever. And so obviously their stories are going to tend to their culture and upbringing and all of that, which is nothing wrong, but it's just like, well, those are the most of people who are able to make stuff. Yeah. (laughs) So that's why. Yeah. So you mentioned you, you know, you play black Spider-Man, but you're also behind the scenes, very heavily involved. Mm -hmm. And so what's the sort of crossover? I mean, did you out of necessity get, into in front of the camera or did you out of necessity get behind the camera originally originally out out of necessity got behind the camera but i think part of me always wanted to do it because um i've always like even when i was before i moved out here when i was like a teenager i would grab my mom's camcorder and get some friends together and make some stuff so and, and and before then i really wanted to do voiceover that was like my whole goal I wanted that was when you when you're a kid they ask you what you want to be when you grow up I want to do voiceover, um, so it just felt, yeah it, it just felt like <laughs> a necessary component to it to make your own luck essentially pretty much yeah pretty much and so how did you teach yourself because I, I you're a, to me a very talented person oh, both so nice well you are you mm-hmm. know and both in terms of production whether it's lighting whether it's cinematography all that. And then behind this, you know, the post-production side of things, 
you you are a very strong editor. Uh, you know graphic design. Uh, some of the some of the effects that are in Black Spider Man, I think, really showcase what you're able to do. Thank you. So you. you know, I mean, some of it blows me, and I've been, <laughs> you know, I I got into things wanting to be in production. So uh, yeah, how did yeah. you attain that level? No, I didn't. I did not want to be in production. It was just kind of like I wanted to make stuff. I didn't know that meant that I was going to need to be in production, <laughs> but that's kind of where it started. Um, I went to film school, so I went to New York Film Academy, uh, here, which is actually ironically in LA, but um, they have a campus in New York too, but that's where I got the, you know, kind of basics of my, um, you know, filmmaking skills. And then after you get in school, you're out in the real world. So I started working in production. You learn a lot doing that. And then there's YouTube. I've, a lot of a lot of the effects on Black Spider Man, I learned from big YouTubers that teach you how to edit these things. They build the assets, or they have the asset from somebody else who built it, and they teach you how to put it in and what you need to film in order to make the asset work in your shot and look real and believable. Uh, so those were my three learnings. Okay, school, the streets, and YouTube. Oh, would you also say? I mean, this might be me projecting, but because as our friendship has ramped up, I've mm-hmm. seen you do more and more. Again, so that might be me projecting because <laughs> I, I'm more in the know of all the things you're doing. Right. But I would say in the last year, I've really seen you take the bull by the horns and you know, essentially make your own luck, make your own projects and not wait on the sidelines being like, hey, pick me. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think that just came from being tired of waiting and also not knowing what to do. So... You kind of you, let's say you move out here to L.A. and you're like trying to chase a dream. You don't know anybody. You know, you want to do this thing. And there's all these other people who it seems like it's working for and like you don't know what to do. I know that was my situation. Um, I just got to a point where I was like, OK, well, what can I do with what I have? And that's, as you stated, is the whole like taking the bull by the horns and making your own luck and making your own content and um, seeing how far you can take it yeah now i don't want to toot my own horn because i'm sure there's other people who have said this to you but you are a very hard worker and have worked for a lot of different people you know pro bono and all that Mm -hmm. and i said to you like listen people i remember one of your trepidations was asking people to help you yeah and you know what i don't know do do you still have that fear now that like between uh, earlier projects now culminating to Black Spider-Man, do you mm-hmm. sort of now see like, wow, I have a good group of people that want to just make cool shit? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. It's um, and it's definitely it's definitely been a if you build it, they will come type of thing, where like you make the show, you put it out there, and now people are like, oh, are you doing some more? Do you can I can I be a part of it? Like, what's going on? So there, there's that in addition to what you just said, which is um. One of my hangups was ask for people to help because, you know, I don't have much to offer. You know, it's like I, I can't really pay you. I I hate the whole like experience and exposure because it's like most of the time it's like, no. Um, but I can maybe promise you a good time, maybe a free lunch, um, mm-hmm. hang out with your buddies, you meet some new people. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> so I'm getting I'm getting better at it. I'm getting better at it. Fair enough. Well, I, I think the trade-off is that you've, you know, you, you, one of the things I said to you, you've always done 
that type of work for other people and never yeah. ask for anything in return. So I think that's the difference. You're that's not also favors. Yes. Build up your favors. Yeah. <laughs> Do that all the time. <laughs> um, so let's, let's get back to black Spider-Man. What okay. was the hardest episode to, I don't know, conceptually or to pull off production wise. It would be between, I would say the three. Cause so the way we did it was we didn't shoot like a whole episode in a day. We, we only shot scenes in a day. And I would say the hardest one, the, the, the three hardest ones were the f- finale, which is the uh, one with all the superheroes, the family one, which just came out last week, and the Craven one, which was the uh, week before last. Um, but they were difficult for different reasons. Like the Craven one was difficult because, we again, we were looking for a specific type, and it was just really hard to find that guy but we we did we found him but it just took a really long time the family one again we needed a specific type like aunt may and uh the sister her name in the her, in the show her name is teresa but in real life her name is uh is jade it like finding those characters were pretty tough and which i'm happy we found them like they are great but it's like took some time and then the superhero one, it was just hard to coordinate so many people <laughs> at the same time. That was probably the hardest, uh, actually, like on the fi- on the ground filming one because it was just so many people and it was a lot going on, and you were trying to capture all these little moments. But it, it, it worked out. <laughs> so, what what are some of the best, biggest lessons you've learned from the process, and if you? got a chance to do it again or for season two mm-hmm. as the show continues well you know what will you implement i think i i will i will say one of, one of the biggest ones is uh no's or blessings because for every no that we got when we were trying to do something from our original idea it made us go back into the lab and have to come up with something new mm-hmm. and i think it, it, it basically it forced us to be creative and again use what we have to make something cool and i think that i think we did that so every no is like a good thing it's kind of like okay cool mm-hmm. all right great all right i'm gonna come up with something else um have I you ever know. read uh robert rodriguez's rebel without a crew is that a curious it's it's been recommended to me but no i haven't gotten around to it yet i yeah i'm familiar Cause, though because it's a similar <laughs> mindset as far as he it, it, it chronicles his first feature film that he made on seven thousand dollar budget and how you know, he, it, it is a very impressive. Uh, <coughs> and his mindset is that if if you're just strapped for cash, it'll force you to be creative. And mm-hmm. too many so-called problems are seemingly solved by money, but they're really not. Yeah. And so, and that's when budgets just balloon out of hand and so yes. forth. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So yeah. let's, you know, the other projects that you have, uh, you know, that, that, Hasn't seen the light of day, I don't think. Not yet, not yet. It, it shoot a, your shot. Phil's being very modest right now. He came on and helped produce both of shows that we're talking about, Black Spider-Man and Shoot Your Shot. But yeah, Shoot Your Shot is this uh, game show concept that I had um, where two comedic, two comedians come in and use their best pickup lines, i.e. shoot their shot, at a sexy single. And then the sexy single chooses who shot their shot the best. And it's both guys and girls. So, it's both so, guys and girls. It's all sexual orientations. It's 
it's and then there's no rules like just say say whatever you think will get you the win so wh- where did that concept come from and how did you kind of finally execute it and uh the concept it was a mix of two ideas that I'm sorry it was a it was a mix of two shows that I'm really big fans of which is uh Nick Cannon's Wild and Out and All Deaf Digital's Dad Jokes so um if anybody's ever seen those shows Dad, Dad Jokes is a competition where two people just give their best dad jokes and every time you make the other person laugh you get a point uh while and out has a is a improv comedy show and they have one of these games called let me holler which they also give their best uh pickup line and so it's kind of a hybrid of the two of those two games and it's just it's it's really the at the end of the day the whole point is to make you laugh and let people flex their comedy muscle and um, um, that, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if if there's any overarching thing that I'm noticing right now, it's that you're ambitious in terms of the size of the production. I mean, in terms of people, because mm-hmm. when you talk about shoot your shot, that's three people on camera at once, at least. Yeah. Um, you know, we go back mm-hmm. to the last episode, which hasn't aired yet of Black Spider Man, but it will. Yep, it will. Uh, so you just love a lot of people Sundays in the scene. At 10. Oh, I do. I do. It's it's very problematic. <laughs> it's very it's very difficult to control so many things and then make sure you're capturing every single thing. It's very tough. But I like um now as far if if we're if we're talking about like uh creative direction, I like a whole lot of things going on at the same time. Like to the point where you kind of have to watch it again and be like, what were they doing while this person was doing this? Cuz I also wanted to feel I want it to feel like real life. Like I want it to feel like you are actually in the room. And I noticed that when I watched some other things is we always kind of pause or go back in order to um, kind of service everyone and see what's happening. And, and, and I, I understand it in the sense of filmmaking um, in order to like make sure that you deliver a story and that everyone can understand. But I think, in 2019 we are we have a very like microwave uh culture as far as how we consume content and i think we've also progressed like as people like we are able to take in so much information so much better than we were 40 50 well, years ago we also ago. know the tropes you know what i mean like from from years ago like in, in the Ann jones type of story it's like okay it's been done before great that's the archetype mm-hmm. build on that mm-hmm exactly exactly that that too like there's um if you kind of get the basics of what's happening you can have maybe one or two other things happening on top of that at the same time and be able to follow it i mean even if you like just look at the way we live uh the way we live our lives now we're like on our phone while we're talking on our other phone and watching a television show and we're keeping up with everything Maybe not to the Debatable. best. <laughs> not to the best. <laughs> Maybe not I to the best. I always debate that, but sure. But like, okay, you're on your. Let's say you're on your phone while you're writing an email, and the TV's going. Like you know, like you're not paying the full undivided attention that each one deserves, but you're able to kind of mm-hmm. keep that going. Um, and I just like that. I, I just find that very interesting. That aspect of human nature that mm-hmm. we've grown into. Okay. Let's go back to 
you mentioned that you wanted to do voiceover work. Mm -hmm. And in particular, because I know you, I know that stems from your love of animation. Yep, that's right. Uh, Where did that come from? And I mean, there's so many questions I want to ask you just (laughs) on that alone. But like, what does that, what does animation mean to you? That's obviously a general term, but like, how did you fall in love with cartoons, essentially? I honestly don't know. I mean, I really, like, I thought every kid loved the cartoons. I really did. And then I, and then as we got older, you know, people, kids will be like, oh, I don't watch cartoons anymore. And I'd be like, but I still do. And nobody else, really? Um, so I don't, I, I don't, I'm like, there, there was no inciting incident where like someone introduced me to animation. No um, radioactive spider. <laughs> there you go. Like I, you know, as a kid, like my favorite shows were Rugrats and Hey Arnold. And that's why I wanted to do voiceover because I wanted to be the voice of like one of the Rugrats and, and then Power Rangers and like all of like the superhero thing. And like, that was super cool to me too. Um, I, I, it's always been a love just mm. as a child. Is it interesting because you, you watch some of these shows now still and we were talking before we started like Hey Arnold, how it really just still holds up and yep. there's just something smart there, right? And I think the shows that don't succeed try to t- play too much to a kid audience, yeah. meaning they're not because they're trying to dumb it down versus the ones that understand that kids are smart and if they don't get everything, they'll get the core principle. Mm-hmm. And then as you revisit, you're like, oh, that's, that's yeah. really deep. It's also, hey, specifically with Hey Arnold, it's also a very, I, I just like the style of the show, like the the soft jazz that plays throughout the, like, he's a cool kid, the messages that are in there. Uh, it's, he's a cool kid with a heart. It's, it's not, cool it's not kid, like he's yeah. like the smoking uh, bully. Right, right. It's it's a very, they they did their thing. Like, it was, like, it was great. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know how else to, to describe it. Uh, stylistically it's great it's love it okay so i know we're jumping all over the board here but let's uh, Mm -hmm. so when did you make the decision to come out to la so you grew up in south carolina grew up in south carolina went to north carolina for for undergrad i studied mechanical engineering um i did a couple internships while i was in college and i was like wow this is extremely boring and i graduated because i came that far i was going to finish and I slept on my friend's floor for like eight or nine months trying to figure out my life because I didn't want to do engineering anymore. Didn't have anywhere else to go. I wasn't going to go home. That was out of the question. So I just stayed in North Carolina, kept working at my job at the Greensboro Coliseum, which is an event arena in Greensboro, North Carolina. And uh, one day I went to the gym with my friend and I heard a commercial for a acting showcase so i went and did it and that is how i met one of the recruiters from new york film academy and he told me you should come out to la and go to our school and learn filmmaking so i said sure now i'm here (laughs) (laughs) and okay you know you saw an ad i want to ask you in terms of in today's day and age, what are the various resources for booking jobs? Or you mentioned like casting seems to be a big problem. Like what what are the places you're going for in this day and age to find that stuff? Because I think that's beneficial yeah. for people out there. Depends on what you want to do. If you want to act, if you're in L.A., you have L.A. casting. If you're not in L.A., you have Actors Access, which they work in L.A. as well. But Actors Access is um, you can pinpoint if you want to do New York or Texas or wherever. Um, 
uh, there's Backstage. There's a bunch of websites. That would be like your first go-to if you don't know anybody. Um, and then from there, you just wanna, you want you want to tell people what you're doing. I've learned that over the years too. It really helps when people are like, hey, how's it going? Like that is your opportunity to tell people what you're doing because you never know what they know or who they know that may be extremely beneficial to you. Um, if you want to do production, there's a few websites out there as well. Um, staffmeup.com is one. Mandy, I've never really used them. Um, and that one, I, w- I will say production is definitely a networking one. Like you definitely, if you get on a show for whatever reason, if you're like PAing, if you're casting, if you're, I, I don't know, whatever you're doing, you you want to talk to everyone and you want to shake hands with everyone and 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 broaden your network because that is really how that is like the core of how jobs are given and found in production. At least that's been my experience. So how do you do that without essentially bothering them where like, hey, I'm Khalil. Yo, I'm busy. Get the fuck out of my face. You get the fuck out of their face at that point. You get the fuck out of their face. But there will be one person who will sit and talk to you. And, you know, if you're like totally new, you can ask questions. You can if you're not like the thing is, they're all people like we're all people. Right. So you just want to talk about anything. You can talk about the lunch. You can talk about the crafty. You can talk about the weather. It doesn't matter. You just want to try to like find some kind of common ground to stand on and hold a conversation with this person and if it doesn't it's not gonna obviously it's not gonna pan out with every single person on set but you just want to meet everyone you can because you never know and you don't want to be the negative because i find like the one thing you don't want to have common ground with is just having a bitch session about like oh this sucks that 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 sucks that too because i don't think that's the type of person (laughs) you would want to network with ultimately (laughs) what i would i would assume if you're new you probably be just excited to be there. So I would assume you'd already be in a positive space. Yeah. But you're absolutely right. So what about, what about the other half, though, of it's one thing, because I, I see a lot of people make this mistake. It's all about networking. It's all about networking. And then the opportunity presents itself. And it's like, okay, you're not, yeah, you, you've not proven yourself or you don't even have that work ethic to begin with. You just like talking about your mm-hmm. quote unquote work ethic. Yeah, yeah. You kind of, you, you kind of got to be about it for sure. If you're going to talk about it, you got to be about it. Um, I'm sorry. I'm not quite. I'm not quite. I don't know what, sure what advice. Uh, I mean, I, I guess there's not really that much of a question there. Besides of like, you know, essentially, does the does the walk have to match the talk? It definitely the walk has to match the talk. You have to like somebody hits you up about something, just say yes. Don't worry about whatever little reservations you have in your head. Just go for it. Just do it. You will figure it out along the way. It is not that hard. We are not brain surgeons. Like, just do it. Um, what, but if they, what, if, what if they get fired? What, what advice do you, you have? Get fired, apologize, and look for the next job. It is not that big of a deal. There are plenty of jobs out here. There are plenty of shows, movies, whatever, commercials. You will be okay. Um, uh, but as far as, like, the mental fortitude to, yeah, you kind of... I don't. I don't know how you teach that. I don't know how you. Well, let me. Uh, if you want it, let me ask you, you need this. To go for it. 
how many of your friends because it's, it's a very competitive industry mm-hmm. and i feel like you and I have been blessed enough where our friends don't really compete with each other and they want the best for each other. Right. Um, but we've also seen on the outskirts people that want to just slit each other's throats. Mm-hmm. I don't know. How do, you, how do you navigate that? And I don't know. Do you have to be a certain way or you really think like there's a, there's a chance to just collaborate no. and be okay? I don't, yeah, I don't think you... First, this the whole filmmaking, specifically the filmmaking, is... A hundred percent a collaborative effort. You can't do all of this alone. You can't film some. I mean, depending on what it is, obviously, but it's really difficult to like film something, write something, edit something, distribute something all by yourself, cast something, even if you're going to cast like. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a collaborative sport. Hell, I'm so. writing a friggin' novel, which is supposed to be a solitary act, and I, I have like ten people helping me. There you go. There you. Go. It is a collaborative sport. So it's no. It's kind of so when you meet those people, who who are like that, I would just say walk the other way, fam. Like I don't know. Like that's not what you want. Obviously, that's not the kind of person that you want to network with and you want to build with anyway. So you kind of again, the no is a blessing. So walk away like there's uh, plenty of other people here that are not like that you go find them you know i think in terms of what the 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 constant thread of what you're saying is there's always an option and i think that's i think where people run into a problem is when they just feel like there's nothing left like the 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 wheels are about to come off because they're Mm. overworking hard or they're never going to be able to begin their project because they don't have they, they don't have the starting point. Yeah. But it's like, you know what? Just just find find a starting point. Yes. Of any kind. Use what you have. Whatever whatever you have. Just use that and make that work until you get something else. And in doing so, you learn so much by just because you start to you start to cut the fat, so to speak. Like, oh, I don't I don't really need this because all I need is this right here and I can make this whole other thing work. I don't need all these other uh, attributes or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I would say yeah, the common thread is there's, there's always an option. There's always, there's always a, where there's a will, there's a way. So, but back to mental fortitude and having that will, I really don't know how to teach that. Like if it's something, if it means that much to you, you will go out you will go out and do it you will not have an excuse you will not find any because there's always an excuse to not do it yeah well as they say excuses are like assholes everyone's got everyone's got one but if you want it you're gonna go and do it well there's a great quote i'm gonna paraphrase and i forget who said it so i apologize but it's basically like successful people aren't successful because they don't have flaws like they're they're successful in spite of their flaws like they go through the same mm-hmm. bullshit that you and i do and and they do it um i want to get your opinion on something though there's people i i think the people that we tend to know they're so ambitious that they want to like right away and and that's how the wheels come off versus not having a starting yeah. point which i guess right. technically could be the same symptom because they don't know what the starting point is that mm-hmm. they just start 10 different starting points right um i was reading an article actually phil sent me this article about uh career goals and 
I'm going to summarize it for you guys. It's like, there's the article. It says, write down your 25 goals, circle your top three, and ignore the rest of them. And uh, the good thing about that is it, it forces you to look at what success looks like and set realistic goals about what you can accomplish right now in this very moment. So for the for the ones that are tackling so many things at one time, that was that's a little exercise that could really help you take the next step. So where you can get to that big thing, whatever that is for you, but the step right now is need to figure that out. Yeah, exactly. And I I think too many people forget it's it's a journey, not a destination. That <laughs> yeah. old cliche of right. things and. Uh, just because you don't get to do a particular thing right now doesn't mean you can't ever do it. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, it, like you and I are both young, but I actually am excited by the prospect of in today's day and age, you can shift careers. You know, you can be in one industry for 10 years, 15, yep. and then make a complete shift. And many people do. And mm-hmm. that's exciting. Now, I don't know if I want to do that necessarily, <laughs> but but maybe in terms of the projects that I'm working on, right. perhaps. Right. And we're staying alive a lot longer now. We're yeah. we're, uh, we're younger, longer you know, we we're doing more as like human beings. Yeah. Excuse me. <sighs> Sorry. Uh, so the possibilities are endless. They are. They are. Um, what, what projects do you have coming up that, uh, that you're excited about? Um, okay. Well, uh, currently black Spider-Man is running. Uh, we should be, you guys should be seeing shoot your shot probably over the summer. 2019 2019 probably over the summer 2019 right after avengers endgame right after avengers endgame um we're gonna and then also the the youtube i'm really gonna focus on building the youtube and doing some more content so me and the black spider-man team have a few other projects that we're in development for right now that will be out this year I don't. It's kind of hard for me to give you finite dates because it's still kind of in the early stages. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, and then there's also sketches and different things that I do just around town from people that I've met over the years, or things that I've, other things that I've got going on. Uh, we're about to shoot this pilot with um, Roy Ellis. He, he does Roy. the. Jones barbecue foot massage. Jones barbecue okay. foot massage. If you guys have seen that meme, we've got a pilot coming coming soon. Okay. I don't know exactly what. Like a twenty two minute are. pilot or like a, a shorter I, I version. Have no idea. No I idea. Have no idea. Um, Isn't that the beauty that like because yeah. if you're making a pilot for TV, it mm-hmm. essentially has to be the twenty two minutes or it has to be like, let's say forty five. Forty, yeah. And in today's day, it's like, whatever. Right. So a 13 minute pilot, as long as it's engaging, if it's five minutes, great. That's whatever. Cares? Yeah. That's the beauty of the internet, man. The internet has uh, opened up so many possibilities. And going back to the earlier thing about tackling so many things at one time, it's uh, or like, what does success look like for you? A lot of things you want to do, you can actually do it right now. Like, because of the internet, the internet has made it possible. And, it's another thing, and I I I knew, I knew this before Black Spider Man, but it definitely reinforced it. Is there so much stuff that's out there that you can have that's free? Whether it's knowledge, whether it's um, uh, 
an asset that you need in order to complete a project. There's so many things that's out there that you can actually get your hands on because of the internet. Yeah. You just need to go and find it. What, what do you think of, so um, I'll, I'll throw out his name. He's a mutual friend of ours yes. and he wants to do a feature in the summer. Now, he his mind's on like what cameras I'm going to use and this and that. And I don't want to disparage him, but mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, like you're just thinking of the body of the camera and how much it's already going to cost you. Let's put that money instead into something else. like at the end of the day, what's going to grab people is not how well it's shot. Like there's movies mm-hmm. shot on iPhones. Mm-hmm. And as long as the content's good, we're good. I was going to say, I, I would I would say when again, when it comes to filmmaking, Focus should be story and how you're going to tell that story because those are two extremely important aspects of filmmaking, more important than whoever's in it. Um, where where you shoot it and how you shoot it is part of how you tell the story for sure. So I won't, I won't fight you on that. But just things like what kind of camera you're using, like nobody cares. As long as, as, long as you can see... Like even if it's out of focus, like people really kind of don't care. Uh, well, okay. Um, I mean, I would care, but yeah, I definitely have my own thoughts, and I, I want to expand upon this. As, as I would far love as my, to, I would love uh, to get your feedback on this too. Well, uh, I'll definitely do a large episode about this, but um, I think there's somewhat of an epidemic where the kid who happens to have money or whatever he just saves up mm-hmm. buys like a red camera. And all of a sudden, he gets hired to be a DP on a sh- on a on a movie just because he has a red camera. And it's yeah. like, dude, you are not a cinematographer. But also, that filmmaker should have known better than to just hire somebody because they have the fancy camera. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, yes, that's correct. But I feel like that is a default for many projects nowadays where it's like okay you take the right cinematographer and even if he is using an iphone he can light it he could could figure it out the thing and this is and this it also speaks it also shows that you don't really understand cameras because you can all you really need to know is how far you can push and pull a camera doesn't matter what camera it is it's all you need to know is just what can you do with this camera? And then you will know how you need to, you know, like uh, what you need to add and take away outside of the camera in order to get the shot that you're going for. Yeah. At the end of the day, like the, the, the body of the camera is the body of the camera, right? Like it kind of definitely there are some that are better than others, but the lens is a good is a good investment depending on what kind of glass you're using. Um, and again, if you know the parameters of the camera, you know, oh, I might need to add some more light here or I might need to uh, push in a little bit more here or like reframe this kind of way instead of focusing on having the big, fancy, expensive camera. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm, I'm really saddened by it because I think it goes beyond just cinematography. It's just like, oh, this kid's got an avid machine at his house right. it's like okay well that doesn't make him a good editor you know yep. this guy's got like eight thousand plugins for his after effects machine doesn't okay. matter if you don't know how to use it or if you didn't shoot it right or if you don't if you're not using it in order to enhance the storytelling of your project yeah and, and it's a shame because i think they're like my advice 
because I don't necessarily knock the people that have the equipment and want to kind of get it out there and use that to their advantage. But I think there is a humility to it where you say like, hey, I've got this red camera. I just want to be a cool a part of cool projects. No, I don't necessarily know how to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to be part of your, your shoot and, you know, find a photographer and I'll let you guys use it as long as I get to essentially shadow and just be part of everything, yeah. you know, step by step. So that eventually the time comes when you've actually learned the craft of cinematography. Are we talking about a specific person right now? No, it's oh, okay. just, no, no, I, just, no I, I honestly think it's all of LA. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's yeah. not just LA. It's you know, I, I here's the thing. I've seen, I've seen the remnants of this going dating back to film school. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that's that's the thing. Like because there is such a ease of access into a lot of this. Mm-hmm. I, now all of a sudden, every person that posts a photo on on social media a is photographer. a photographer. It's like, really? Have yeah. you learned composition? You know the rule of thirds, thirds. and lighting and frame. Just just yeah. all that. Do you know what ISO is? Yeah, um, or how it's interchangeable with ASA, which is <laughs> freaky. Um, uh, or what your aperture is, or what your exposure is. Um, but yeah, yeah, for sure. Like that's all. That's all part of it. And then I, I'm I'm a big fan of like how you tell the story more than like what you use to tell the story. Because you can you can say a lot of things without having your actors say it. You mm-hmm. can do it with camera movement. You can do it with the composition of a shot, like where you place a person in a shot says something rather than them acting it out or saying it themselves. Um and so like that all goes into cinematography and directing and storytelling so it doesn't matter what kind of camera you have if you don't know how to use those type of aspects absolutely yeah and you know there's so much free as as you mentioned like there's a free version of photoshop not literally photoshop but like photoshop-esque you know i don't love it but the fact that every computer that's a mac comes with iMovie uh, if you're a pc guy windows movie maker like listen just Start to learn your basic cuts, if nothing yeah. else, oh, and, and build from there. YouTube, so it's a wealth of knowledge for free. Yeah. Any um, any final thoughts? We've gone into uh, we've gone into various territories. I don't know. Yeah. I'll, you know, I would I would love to hear your your thought on um, uh, storytelling and uh, my thought on storytelling and filmmaking. Like, what is your what is your style? What is my style? It tends to be very documentary-esque, even if it's a narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, or, an Arrested Development would be an example of that. Uh, you know, and I think I think that actually bridged the two quite nicely for me mm-hmm. when that show came out. Um, although I'm not the biggest fan of the current Netflix version. Uh, sorry. <laughs> but uh, I, I just think, you know, it's difficult to make a show that came out years ago when you have that large of a cast yeah. and they're all widely successful, you know, so. But, yeah, for me, I think I think the biggest thing is I, I often go to what is the core of what the movie's trying to say? What is the central mm-hmm. message? And it doesn't have to be the most deep and impactful thing in the world, but it does help. Um, but more more often than not, I'll take a... I'll take a decent premise really well told over uh, a really deep premise told crappy. Um, and I think, I think that's, a pro- that's 
something that happens a lot, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, it, it does bug me because then too often I sound like a negative Nancy when I'm talking about certain stories and I, I don't want to be disparaging, but I'm like just missing this somewhat element. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I do see the positive out of it. It's like, okay, well, you know what? No one else was going to tell this story. And you know what? Like A for effort. Like I look at, I doubt you, I know you haven't seen Serenity. I doubt anyone else in the world has seen Serenity. Uh, it's the latest movie with uh, Matthew McConaughey and um, no, Anne Hathaway. No, I was thinking about something else. Um, okay. And this movie is atrocious. I'm sorry to say. However, <laughs> what I will applaud it is that it just swings for the fences. It tries to say something so deep, but unfortunately it just misses. And as bad as the movie is, I can't help but look at it and be like, you know what? They freaking tried. <laughs> no, they, they, you know, and sometimes like that, a failure is a part of it. And mm-hmm. um, trust me, I listen. If nothing else, I've failed a thousand times, so it's not yeah. like. And I've never made a movie to that scale to to be, you know, mm-hmm. uh, distributed nationwide. So who the hell am I at the end of the day? Um, but yeah, I, I think that's that's the main thing. I think go back to what the core of caveman times people talking around a campfire mm-hmm. uh in that time to essentially either entertain themselves or be a cautionary tale and i think i i think that especially now as things get more global i i think a big part of realizing that we're not so different is being able to tell different stories from different perspectives and and realizing the universal truth mm-hmm. there's that old adage the more specific you make something, the more universal it becomes. Hmm. I've never heard that one. I like that. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of like a, um, and a more recent example of a, of a perhaps more wide movie. Uh, I could go Green Book, but I don't know if as many people. What, what's a recent movie that you saw? I saw Green Book. You saw Green Book. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a Green Book sketch coming out. So watch <laughs> it. So keep your eyes uh, open. I'm trying to think like mainstream, like okay, but uh, let's take Green Book, right? At the end of the day, it's a very specific time period. It's a mm-hmm. it, it, it's a very specific characters, like it's a, it's a, a musician with a very specific music genre. Mm-hmm. It, it's an Italian American guy um, from New York, and and yet, how more universal can that idea be that? that two people who couldn't be more apart can can form a friendship a bond mm-hmm. uh that transcends color uh you know gender and so forth and you know i think i think that's uh people will say these are very challenging times but challenge is necessary for growth mm-hmm. and so i think you know we just have to realize that we're all adults and yeah let's get to the, let's find the common ground yeah, no, i i feel like we're going to keep fighting until the aliens come it's pretty. It's pretty much what's going to happen, and then it's then it'll be us against them. But we're going to keep fighting each other. I, here, here's the real esoteric that I'll I'll, I'll say. Uh, <laughs> people think like global warming and that that we're going to kill the world. Like, listen, mm-hmm. I believe in global warming, but we're not going to kill the world. We're going to kill ourselves. So the the the, the notion that, yeah. which by the way is a, is a, is a very narcissistic notion that we are capable of killing the world. No, the world's just going to eventually kill us because we've been dumb if yeah. we continue in the vein that we've, we're going. <laughs> so, you know, take well, that for what we'll it see is. see what happens. 
<laughs> Stay tuned for the Until next 50. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, hopefully that answers your question in some yeah, semblance. Yeah, it does. It does. I think that was a great note to end on. All right. <laughs> well, uh, where can people follow uh, the, the channel and you specifically? Yes, the channel is Camp. Uh, if you're on YouTube, channel's Camp, um, or you can do Abu Artistry. Either one of those, I should come up. Black Spider-Man web series. Type in web series because somebody else has flooded the streets with Black Spider-Man. Until Unless we like get these numbers up. Um, but yeah, that's and then there's also, you can go to my website, campproductions.com. If you can't find anything, then it'll be right there for you. Um, uh, yeah, that's how you find me: Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Khalil Boo Boo. Uh, all this, uh, there's links to all of it in the bio. So, you should and I'll, I'll include I'll include the links in the description box as well, so that way for ease. I know, mm-hmm. I know, millennials. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta Not give it to them right guys. there. Uh, I mean, technically, we're millennials. They gave us yeah. the age range. We fall, yeah. we fall in there. Yeah. yeah. We were good at some things, not good at the others. Anyway, thank you for joining us. Thank Hopefully you. you've found this as enlightening as as we certainly did. Thank you for having me. Of course. And be sure to subscribe if you like this and you haven't yet. There's other lessons. There's other interviews that I do um, of this nature. So hopefully you've enjoyed that. Also, the number one thing you could do is just give this a thumbs up, rate, comment. You know, the more specific you are with what you're looking to learn, the better I can cater either the interviews or my lessons towards that. Um, otherwise, I'm just kind of pulling out of a hat, you know. And also, if if you're a new host in the L.A. area, then I encourage you to check out AfterBuzz TV. Or yes. if you're a college student, uh, they have a great internship program. Obviously, I've been involved in them with for, for a number of years since the beginning, and it's taught me a lot of things that I know today. Kevin Undergaro Marinos, fantastic mentors, and so who better to mentor you if you're if you are in that um, that a uh, host or an intern, right? And last but not least, uh, you can subscribe to the show on YouTube, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, basically anywhere that's convenient to you in either video format or audio format is there. And shoutouts to uh, producer Juliet Viber at. Bonjour, Juliet. And, of course, Anthony Becerra, who is now a new addition editing these videos at TonyBTony underscore. Don't forget that underscore. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time with another one of my lessons. Bye.